You're listening to Out of the Box, a place for marketers to get inspired, get going, and break out of the box. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Jess Overton. You're listening to Out of the Box, the marketing podcast exploring out-of-the-box approaches to marketing and growth. Today, I'm joined by Clément. Hello. Uh, Clément, we're very excited to have you on today. Yeah, me too. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. An absolute pleasure. So before we get started uh, and really dig into the, to the nitty gritty, could you introduce yourself to our listeners and explain a little bit about your journey in the marketing world? Sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm Clément. I'm uh, French. So I'm originally from France. Um, I started my career over there as an account manager for like a retail marketplace. And then um, I moved on to work for Twitter, actually, in Dublin as an account manager. So I was on that side of the advertising world for a little while. Um, and that's where I caught, I guess, the marketing or the performance marketing bug specifically. Um, and so after that experience, I wanted to, you know, uh, go into performance marketing, learn about it, learn the crafts, if you will. Uh, and I joined Inno Games, uh, which is a gaming studio based in Hamburg, Germany, as a, as a paid social manager. So I learned a ton there. Um, and then I moved to uh, to Blinkist, uh, which is based in, um, in in Berlin, still in Germany, uh, which is an education uh, app, the summary of nonfiction books. Um, and yeah, I was hired to you know scale pay social. Uh, I had a chance to hire a team, manage a team, and um, learn again a lot. Had access to a lot of different projects and worked with a lot of amazing people. And um, after a few years, I got the opportunity to um, to lead you know, marketing at at Fabulous. Uh, and we're going to talk about it uh, in a moment. But uh, that's yeah what I've been doing since the start of the year. Cool. So I think you know, there's a lot of history to dig in there. And I do want to circle back to a little bit about your experience, both on the account management side and on the other side of that coin. But first, tell us, tell us a little bit about Fabulous. Who, who uses it? What does your role entail? Give us the full story. Sure. Um, yeah, so Fabulous is um, an app first, uh, and it's a, a routine builder and, and a coach all at once. So. Um, it's been created by a couple of great people, uh, our two co-founders um, in the Duke University. Um, so they were in a, in a lab that was sort of patroned by um, someone called Dan Ariely, who is a uh, behavioral change expert, uh, I was going to say guru. Um, and so the app uh, is sort of um, yeah, ingrained in behavioral science, behavioral change principles. So as a user, when you join, uh, sort of ask you a lot of questions to understand what you want to what you want to do, what are your goals, your motivations, and then we craft a, a routine for you. Um, and because it's based on behavioral change insights, it's built by um, behavioral economists. So all of our product managers are trained in behavioral economy. So we know it's best to start small to make small incremental changes. So as you join, the first habit you're going to get is drinking water. Very small, very easy, um, and from there, you know, we built on uh, with you as a user a personalized routine, um, and we have you know daily coaching sessions that are made by an ex psychology professor from Stanford. You get access to a lot of content like meditation, yoga sessions, and so on. So the app is has this holistic approach to well being. Uh, we help you build the routine. We made make it you know easy for you to stick to it. And we give you all the tools to, to make that happen um, and achieve your goals. So 
people really use the app to improve their mental and physical well-being, to break bad habits, start new ones, uh, healthy ones, um, and sort of make them stick. Um, one big thing is also bringing structure to to uh, to your day, and it's been with COVID, you know, everything went upside down, and um, we've seen that people needed to bring, like, yeah, a structure to their day, uh, and people really really love it because it's it's easy, um, it's backed by sense, it's evidence based, uh, but it's not boring. Uh, it's actually quite fun and delightful. The design is pretty amazing, I have to say, um, and you get a lot of encouragement along the way. So yeah, it's pretty cool, um, and yeah, it works. It's based on science. Um, that sounds really cool. I'm <laughs> certainly, I'm certainly somebody that values uh, values structure, and I am a person who uh, who does like habits. So I can, I can absolutely see myself using an app like Fabulous. Check it out, definitely. <laughs> so I, I mean, I think you know you've done, you've sold me on on the app, but I'm guessing that maybe it's a little bit of a a, a more difficult sell, or certainly getting your word out to the general population is you know, is the challenge that, that you've undertaken, right? So tell me a little bit about what marketing at Fabulous looks like. Yeah, so the app, um, or in terms of growth, really grew through um, direct response ads. Um, so um, the app is, um, you know, was created in 20, 2014 and has, you know, grew really consistently, uh, profitably, really well. And um, the channels that worked, the best for us were, you know, Facebook and Instagram. No surprises there. Um, mm -hmm. And why that worked is because we could sort of showcase how, you know, the vibe, the tone of voice of the app. Like I said just before, it's a very beautiful app with a very unique, encouraging tone of voice. It makes creating habits easy and simple and fun. Um, and so, in terms of creatives, we were able to find um, assets that really resonated. Uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and then other paid social or social channels like Pinterest, uh, which has been working really, really well up until, yeah, I guess, recently where Pinterest made some changes. Uh, but uh, um, so social media was a great way to for us to to scale and get the word out there. Um, and next to the paid sort of strategy, um, we had, I think the team, because I joined just <laughs> this year, but the team did an amazing job at um, creating an Instagram profile and a presence, organic presence online with an account that has over, I think, a million three or a million four thousand uh, followers to this day. Um, and that grew really, really quickly. Um, so that was really, really good. And sort of we made that work. It's quite a constant. It's quite, you know, it's working really well. And what we're doing now is sort of um, expanding um, from Facebook, Instagram, and, and discovering new, new channels. So let's talk a little bit more about that. How how do you go about not only experimenting with new channels, but also how do you, how you discover new channels? How do you go about that process? Yeah, I mean, we sort of have a clear idea of what our audience is. Um, so starting from that, you know, figuring out where they spend most of their time um, is you know, the next logical step. Um, so we know about social media, uh, the, the channels that are, you know, the most um, used by our core audience, but we know as well that, for example, the younger audience can find fabulous, interesting and, and useful and actually, you know, pay for it as well. Uh, so recently we've been having some pretty good success with TikTok um, and it's 
kind of knowing this without understanding your audience and understanding really well your product and what it can bring to people um, is complicated. So that's really the first step, um, spending time on uh, for which users can the app be actually useful. Um, test, because we also don't want to make too many assumptions and be, be stuck. So virtually we'll test any creative or any uh, channel out there. And that's kind of uh, where we are at the moment. Uh, we you know, are quite solid on Facebook, Instagram, and we're expanding. So uh, having a lot of fun doing that at the moment. Cool. So I, I, I guess I want to take a, a little bit more of a dive into that and, and loop back to your biography, right? So you 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 started in 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 the social space. Uh, you moved into mobile gaming uh, to the education app category with Blinkist, and now you're in the self care app space. There's a lot of variety there. I'm wondering if there's anything that you've taken with you uh, from those different spheres of operation into this current role, given that you just joined not too long ago, and and you know what those learnings are and how you're applying them now with Fabulous. Yeah, I mean. Gaming and a lot of, I guess, listeners um, working in gaming and they know this. But uh, uh, what I what I've learned and what impresses me still to this day is um, the creative testing strategy and the creative optimization that is extremely, extremely granular, uh, with hundreds of iterations every week. Um, a very like a highly data driven approach to to creative, um, and that's that's something where at Inno Games we could. I could experiment with, I learned, uh, and something that I could, you know, bring to the my next my next roles. Um, and this highly data driven approach uh, was quite impressive in gaming. It still is. Um, well, when I brought that to so Blinkist, uh, what I learned there is um, more having a granular understanding of your audience. What I mentioned before. Um, and like figuring out the audience motivations, the characteristics as granularly as possible um, that will guide sort of creative production, channel selection, influencer uh, selection, and so on. Um, so because in gaming, there was no, not as strict, let's say, restrictions um, with brand, brand guidelines and so on. Um, at Blinkist, what we did is uh, figuring out variants in terms of messaging and, and angles um, in which to position position the app. Uh, so we were even more creative on that side of things. Uh, but in the end, from those two, I guess, experiences in those two verticals, the common denominator is creative. Uh, it's where, at some point, most of your effort is going to go into. Once you've figured out like, the technical setup of the channels that unlock uh, you know, delivery, it's all about creative production and having as much freedom to experiment as possible. So for those of us in, in the audience that maybe aren't leveraging this process uh, as you are currently at Fabulous and have done in your previous roles, could you say a couple of words about the team structure and the process uh, for that rapid iteration and rapid testing of creatives? Because it sounds like there's really a, a lot that needs to be coordinated, organized and developed and executed in order to have a rapid testing strategy that really works to serve your marketing engine. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll talk a bit about yeah, how it is at, how it is at Fabulous. Um, and I was lucky enough to join and uh, Fabulous already had a really good, a really good system um, in place, you know, to do those, this rapid testing and get learnings quickly. Um, so first we have like an amazing creative lead 
um, who and she manages, you know, in-house designers and freelance designers as well. Um, we get support from a senior designer also within within the team who's collaborating with products um, and who's also sort of the keeper of the brand, if you will, or taking making sure that uh, we don't stray too far away from from the brand. Um, but essentially, how this works is the UA team um, would sort of tell us, tell the creative team, myself, like, what are their needs? Okay, we need to scale UA team. This is a situation we don't have enough videos. We don't have enough static assets in that format. Let's let's do it. Uh, so explaining the needs, explaining the specificities of the channel, the contexts uh, in which the, the, the ads will show. Uh, what kind of targeting is, is available and so on and so forth. So there is this um, dissemination of, of knowledge uh, from the UA team to the creative team to make sure that, you know, when the creative uh, team sort of go back and create these tons of assets uh, within a week, um, that there is no need for a ton of back and forth. Um, and that's just the most important. Uh, we create, you know, tens and tens of assets per uh, per week, video and banners, and there's just no time for back and forth. Uh, we are still a small team, just two people in the UA team. Um, the creative team is, is bigger, um, but making sure that goes fast in terms of communication is the most important. Um, so then the team, the creative team sort of gets to work, um, balancing sort of iterations and new concepts. Uh, it's sort of an 80-20 uh, situation for iterations and new concepts. Um, and one thing that makes things fast as well, beyond the clear uh, needs, uh, the communication is, um, you know, that the creative folks sort of focus on the style and the design experimentations. Um, so UA makes sure there is as many creative as they need in the right format, in the right sort of diversity in terms of content. Um, but in the end, the creative folks have total freedom, um, and so it's quite fun, I think, for I think, uh, for them to create all those assets and be able to uh, to go wild a little bit. I'm sure. I, I wanna I wanna ask you, and I, I you may not have a, a, a solid answer for this, uh, but where did that eighty twenty split come from in terms of iteration and and new creation? Yeah, you're right. I don't have a solid a solid answer. It's it sort of grew I think organically. Um, it takes of course, much more time to create new concepts. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a fact. Iterations, you know, you can create five iterations on, on a banner in a matter, in a matter of 10 minutes uh, for some super efficient designers. Um, and we know that a successful iteration sometimes can have as big of an impact as a completely new concept. Mm -hmm. So we are sort of having in mind a specific number of assets that we want to try on Facebook. So we have a creative testing budget per week. Um, we know how much money we want to spend per asset, and that gives us a number at the end of that sort of calculation of how many assets we can test per week. And that's it. That's what we want. That's what the UA team asks. Same for Google, same for Pinterest or Twitter. Um, from there, the creative team, especially the creative lead, is figuring out, okay, what is the best way for us to get wins? Uh, and maybe for a particular week, it's going to be all about new concepts um, because that's yeah what they feel they need uh, or it's going to be all about iterations because we need a win fast and so it's best to focus on what we know works um and at the end of the, of the day we end up with this 80 20. Uh, if that's the right one i'm not sure 
Um, I guess every company needs to find it, find out for themselves. For us, it's been working pretty well. Cool. So it really, it, it seems like the thread that connects all of this together really is that that solid communication that you have between the UA team and the creative team to ensure that the balance is correct, that the focus is correct, and that everything's being executed on time. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, the team has been doing an amazing job. And um, we are like, yeah, quite lucky again uh, that we have also freelancers um, that, um, you know, after a while they become in-house designers because they do such a good job. But we have this diversity of ideas and styles, uh, people bringing new perspective uh, on, on, on Fabulous, on the brands, on the way to, to, you know, reach a specific audience, you know, and um, depending on the, the person that does the, the, the design, you know, we know if that's going to work. Of, has a high chance to work on TikTok or on Facebook or on a specific audience. Um, so that diversity is really, really key for us. So I want to pick up on something that you've, you've, you've said the word brand a bunch of times in the last couple of minutes. And I know that in the past, you've said that branding is one of the most interesting topics for you on a personal level. It certainly sounds like from the frequency of the word that it's also something that you're focusing on at Fabulous. So how, how important is branding for Fabulous? It's very important. Uh, we are, so we grew quickly through DR um, and ads and UA ads. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't have brand campaigns per se. Um, and one thing that I'm focusing on was, that's why maybe I use the, the word a lot is because that's one of my uh, topics uh, right now at, at Fabulous and something that I'm also learning a lot along the way. As I said, I come from performance marketing, uh, not from brand marketing. Um, mm -hmm. So that's why it's very exciting to me to, to work on these topics. And um, we at Fabulous want to build a very, very solid brand. And um, right now, as I mentioned, the app has a certain feel and vibe. There's a tone of voice. There is it's already unique. So the brands visually, it's it's already there, um, but we haven't uh, yet defined it properly um, in words. Um, and um, we, I feel like this bringing a sense of, of a little bit of consistency um, in in our assets uh, will help us to sort of um, make our point a little bit better to our users through the brand and establish um, fabulous as a sort of evidence-based, serious, yet fun uh, product that you can use uh, to make a change in, a, in your life. And making sure we define the brand, making sure that comes across in all of our assets is what's going to help us you know, uh, become much, much bigger and build a brand that will last for forever, or at least for a very long term. So that last sentence that you've got a couple of, of things that I want to unpack there for a minute, because you, you talked about defining the vision for the brand, right? What the, what the brand is going to stand for. And you, you, you laid out in, in, in five or six words, a lot of very complex topics uh, that certainly from what I know about fabulous define the brand. How do you go about doing that? What, what does that process look like? So we're in the middle of it. Uh, so I can tell you where we are um, and where we're going. We, um, like the first thing uh, to do is get alignments in the team uh, is, you know, the brand is there. Uh, it is already defined. Everyone has an idea of what, um, you know, 
what Iron Source stands for, what makes Iron Source unique, uh, every employee, uh, I, I'm sure, and it's the same for Fabulous. The company is uh, seven years old. Um, we are yeah, around 60 employees, and everyone has an idea. Everyone knows it, or feels it. Um, so that's the first thing: is figuring out your brand values. What do you stand for? What is what makes you unique in the world? What makes you different from um, the, the competitors, if we have any? Um, and that's that's key. Uh, figuring this out, that's the foundation. And the process then is sort of um, aligning with the product roadmap. You know, the product is, you know, seven years old. Uh, well, the company is seven years old, but the product has evolved a lot and will continue to evolve. There are features that are being tested literally every week and big changes coming up. And we need to make sure that um, the product itself evolves in a way that's in line with our brand, uh, with our core principles our ideals um, and that's yeah absolutely important um, and one lever as well that we need to to use is uh, user research um, again asking our users it's good to uh, know what fabulous stands for what is the brand um, internally but uh, we need to make sure this resonates really well with our current users and our potential users um, and so from there you get a lot of insights that you need to structure um, and the end goal, the desired state, if you will, is um, to have really clear brands. You can call them guidelines, if you will, um, or brand book, or something we can align um, internally and that resonates really well externally in whatever we do and whatever message we write in UA uh, or else um, in our in our social media and so on and so forth and customer support. Um, that everything feels like fabulous and if we've done that then that's a success very interesting i i am also wanting to know how you incorporate that with your outsourced workforce uh you know i could, you said that uh, you, you work with a lot of in-house creatives and i can certainly see how those guidelines would be you know they're living and breathing them as well as having sort of i guess a, a, a brand book or or whatever you might call it how do you also ensure that that is that that permeates your uh, your sort of quote unquote temporary workforce. Yeah, I mean, we work with freelancers essentially for UA, and UA is is special. You know, um, UA is a place where, as I mentioned before, freedom to test without virtually any restrictions is is important. Uh, so, of course, you know, there is a consistency in terms of uh, the way we present fabulous and when you see an ad from us you should you know as a, as a, as a viewer um you should get a sense of uh, what it's going to be to um to use the to use the app and what's going to be inside the app um and what we stand for again our brand values should permeate but ua as i'm sure you know is uh, where we need to experiment with loads of different styles and where we can't assume too many things. Um, so freelancers work and bring their fresh perspective on things and a fresh perspective on the brand as well. Um, and so they have, you know, almost total freedom. Uh, of course, they are being, you know, briefed and being sort of um, not educated is not the right word, but uh, they are being told, okay, what is what is fabulous? What is our audience? What are the things we do and we don't do? Um, what is our brands? Um, but the aesthetic of the ads and the assets they create can be quite diverse. And that's one of the, the key, I think, to the, um, the success we had in UA. Amazing. 
I want to come back to the, I think the last or the, the, the third and final part of, of, of what you said a couple of minutes ago and, and loop back to it. And that's the connection between UA and the product. How closely does your team, does, the, does your marketing team collaborate with the product team? Very closely. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think it's the closest I've seen a product team and a, and a marketing team working together. Um, it's just incredibly important for the product team. So the product team, um, we call it the growth team. The growth team is um, is composed of behavioral economists, again. Uh, so every product manager has a, has a background in behavioral economy. And they are extremely interested by, you know, what kind of traffic do we bring? And what kind of audience, you know, if we get a breakthrough on TikTok and we bring quote-unquote TikTok audience, um, that has an impact on on metrics. And when there's a product manager that looks at the onboarding and they look at their metrics and they see some, some, some movements there, sometimes there is a clear relationship or a clear correlation with what we've been doing in UA. Uh, so understanding the nature of the audience is very important for, for products. For UA, um, beyond sort of having the knowledge, okay, beyond the ability to showcase new features, knowing what the product is working on, preparing for this, um, understanding the funnel really, really well, the app funnel and the web funnel, how, because this impacts UA results directly. You know, if an experiment is being done on the product side and uh, UA sees this in their data and see a drop or a massive increase, just they need to know. Um, so that data from UA um, and from product sort of um, help the other team out. Um, and we've had, I think, one kind of cool and fun example of where this collaboration can be sort of seen in the app is we've had creative success in UA or in social media on our Instagram profile um, that was so good and that was that were obviously bringing so much value to users and potential users that they somehow made their way into the app as well. Um, so really the product has both eyes and both ears on what UA does and vice versa, which is really, really cool. Interesting. That's, uh, uh, that, that's, I think it's a really important element that certainly you guys seem to have, uh, have mastered very well. And I've often seen uh, uh, with my work with, with partners that a disconnect really can have a big impact, not only on, on product development, but also on, uh, but also on UA, as you say. Yeah. And Clément, I think this has been incredibly insightful and I, I want to thank you very much for your time. I end generally by asking my guests the same question every time. I'm always interested to hear what the most innovative or out of the box marketing campaigns are, that are out there uh, these days. So tell me, what's the what's a campaign that you've seen lately that's been really memorable for you? So I'm going to go with, um, because it's in they are in the same vertical as, as Fabulous. I'm going to go with Headspace. Um, you've seen it, I think everyone has seen it, at least if you have a Netflix account, but uh, the partnership that Headspace does, you know, bringing their content, creating new content for a specific partnership. And that's been really, really great and very memorable. I think they've done that a lot. Uh, you know, they've partnered with Spotify like five years ago and they do stuff for airlines and Sesame Street uh, as well. And this commitment to partnerships and creating really good, beautiful, on-brand content um, that reaches out to either a super mainstream audience like on Netflix or more 
uh, maybe a more niche or a different audience, like on Sesame Street, for example. That's the kind of partnerships I find, I think, quite effective. I'd love to talk to the team over there um, to break into a different audience. And that helps the brand, that helps user acquisition. That's really, really cool. So I love that. I love that example because it connects back to so many of the things that we've talked about uh, in our conversation today and, and really seems like uh, it would be a good fit for Fabulous as well. I'm waiting for Netflix's call. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Uh, Clément, thank you very, very much for your time. It's been very interesting. Thanks, Emilien. Thanks for having me.